Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, here we are at the end of the week, Friday, and uh, three days into Lent. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you here for the Inner Life today, and three days into Lent, how are things going for you so far? Have you been able to spend more time in prayer? How have you been doing with looking for ways to help those in need, the almsgiving part of Lent? How have you been doing with whatever you gave up, what you're trying to fast from through Lent? You know, a few years ago, my daughter Trinity, she was maybe 16, I think, at the time. And she had decided that she was going to try and give up bread for Lent. Eat no bread. As soon as she said this, my wife and I, we both responded saying, that might not be the most realistic thing that you could give up. It was a noble idea because Trinity loves bread in almost any form. Uh, just a slice of bread with butter, breadsticks from the pizza parlor, biscuits, bagels, whatever it is. She loves all of it. Now, coming up this Sunday at Mass, we're going to hear Jesus say, one does not live by bread alone. Trinity, she might try and argue that. She might try and put that to the test. She loves baked goods and bread so much that she'll even eat the dough before it gets baked. So, when she said this to us, it was admirable to see how much she wanted to try and fast from something that she really does enjoy so much. And she knew how difficult it would be for her to try and give it up through Lent, but she still was resolved to try and give it her best shot. So Ash Wednesday came, and, and it wasn't that bad since her mother and I, we were both fasting during the day, and then we had just a very simple meal that evening as a family. So first day, no problem, down. Then there was the Thursday, right after Ash Wednesday. She made it through that day, too. It was a bit more of a struggle for her, but she did it. By Friday, she was laughing at herself that afternoon because she couldn't make it more than two days without giving in and bringing home one of those take-and-bake loaves of bread that you get at the grocery store. And that night at the dinner table, as she was enjoying some hot bread with some butter, eating alongside the meal, she said, I'm probably going to need to figure out something else to try and give up and fast from for the rest of Lent. That draw, that temptation of the bread, of other baked goods, it was just too much for her. And I don't even remember what she actually switched to for the, the remaining weeks of the Lenten fast. I just remember she couldn't make it more than those two days before she gave into that temptation of wanting to eat bread again. Now, I, I mentioned that coming up here this Sunday at Mass, we're going to hear that line that Jesus says, one does not live by bread alone. And Jesus says this when he's facing temptation. For him, though, it's been after he's fasted for 40 days in the wilderness and then the devil shows up and he tempts Jesus. And we get to see how Jesus responds to those temptations. And there's a lot to learn 
from Jesus in how he responds. How do you respond in the face of temptation? Sometimes it might be a small temptation, something that doesn't seem to have that big of an impact on you or anyone else. But then there are other times, times that you may face temptation that if you do give in, it has serious consequences. So today we want to talk about the temptations that we face in our lives. And more importantly, we want to talk about practical ways that we can avoid, that we can resist temptation. And joining us is our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Dave Heaney, is back with us once again. Father Dave is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. He's the pastor of St. Bruno's Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And his latest book that you can pick up from Ave Maria Press, it's called Luke 10 Leadership, How to Succeed in Parish Ministry. Father Dave, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you. Great to be with you again. Oh, it's always enjoyable to have you here on the program, Um, always a good conversation. And so looking ahead to this Sunday where we see Jesus Mm -hmm. tempted in the wilderness, you know, he's there for 40 days, kind of, uh, you know, it's it's the reason that we have our 40 days of Lent. You know, we're here Mm -hmm. kind of in this wilderness time ourselves right now. Uh, One of the things maybe before we even dive into what we see with Jesus in that gospel passage from St. Luke's gospel Maybe we can just talk about temptation itself, you know, get mm-hmm. down to the basics, what temptation is and what it isn't. We know that temptation is not sin. So what is temptation when we talk about it? Well, temptation is uh, a suggestion, if, if you will, from the devil, reminding you or kind of emphasizing about something that you don't, that you feel like you don't have. So Jesus was in the desert. He didn't have food. And so the devil tempts him about food. He's by himself. And so the devil tempts him about having power over all the kingdoms of the world. Uh, he's physically vulnerable. So the devil tempts him about being, uh, you know, falling from a, a high precipice and not be harmed. Uh, so, you know, you're hungry. You're tempted to have a chocolate donut, uh, you know, or whatever it is to spend too much time on the Internet or on your phone. Uh, maybe tempted to, um, you know, have bad thoughts about somebody in your life. So temptation is always going to be about something that, something lacking, something that you feel that you don't have. Uh, I think the answer is, um, it's always in some way the opposite of that, to feel full. You know, um, I remember I was at a dinner party one time and I, and I watched a guy who loves food, who loves to eat, and he turned away a beautiful slice of pie. And how could he do that? Because it was his third piece. <laughs> he already had two, <laughs> so he's, he's already full. But that's uh-huh. you know kind of an amusing way. It's really a metaphor for that if we feel full, and that fullness only comes from having that, that sense of God with us, if we have a sense of fullness, then we don't have a sense of want. In fact, we have a sense of abundance. So rather than wanting things that I don't have, I feel like I have so much, I want to give it away. Uh, and, you know, how can, I, how can I use what I have for other people's happiness and other people's goodness? So temptation is always kind of a, this nagging thought about something I don't have and how can I get it? And the answer is this, this kind of beautiful sense of fullness that we receive from, uh, from all of the sacraments, from our life, from the life of prayer, um, all the things that we are called to do during the season of Lent. As you're saying that, too, that really takes us right back to the original sin. 
mm-hmm. where it didn't matter that Adam and Eve had every other possible tree or good thing to eat in the garden. Yeah. It was Satan came and said, what's the, what's the thing you're lacking? And let me point that out. And I'm going to try and distract you from all of the, you know, as you said, that how, how we feel full. But even more than that, do we have an overabundance? And of course they did. They had an overabundance of so many different things that they could eat there in the garden. But Satan distracts them from that overabundance and points out, well, here's the one thing you can't have. And look at how empty your life is because you can't yeah. have that. I think that's an excellent example. And, you know, something really really worthy of taking seriously. You know, we have so much good in our life now. I mean, you have a refrigerator full of food. You have a car that you can take places. You can regulate the temperature of your home. All these things that we take for granted. And we are just obsessing about the fact that our newspaper was delivered late or, you know, uh, some some little thing. We, I think we can be tempted to focus on just the few things that are lacking and, and not tempted to recognize all the good things that are going on in our life. And actually, just to, uh, I was just thinking about this. I was in my car this morning driving back here to St. Bruno from where I was yesterday. And of course, the news was on. And I was thinking that, you know, we can be tempted to despair about what's going on in Ukraine. And that certainly there's a lack sure. there. There's, there's a tremendous absence of peace and just tremendous violence and cruelty. But that's not the full picture, and it's the truth that sets us free, and the full picture is the heroism and the bravery and the courage of the Ukrainian people, certainly symbolized or kind of collected in the in the actions of President Zelensky, the, the president of Ukraine. So uh, we don't want to be tempted to despair and focus on just what's wrong, but, you know, not lose that. We recognize that, but also balance it with just really all the wonderful things that are going on. Uh, people really rising to the occasion, the entire world really coming either in prayer or in actual assistance, coming to the aid of the Ukrainian people. It really is, uh, this is a great lesson to kind of recognize the place of temptation and what it can do and how it, how it can disorient or distort, distort um, the truth of things. Well, and as you're, you're saying that too in that situation, mm. there's... The fact that part of that despair is a lack of control on our own side. You know, I can't control what's happening in this situation and I can't control the future. But, you know, that's always an illusion. That's always kind of this, (laughs) this kind of, uh, um, you know, we build up for ourselves this idea that we can be in control of so much in our lives. But all it takes is one catastrophic event, one, you know, bad diagnosis at the doctor, um, Mm -hmm. you know, one uh, accident out on the street to show us how little control we really have. And that really points us back to in these moments, rather than giving into that temptation to despair, if we can have that trust in God, we can look and say, it's okay, I don't have to be in control. I can give that control over to the one who really is in control and not not lie to myself, not kid myself, that I I can really control more than I, I actually can. Um, and it really comes back to then Jesus' words to us about not worrying, that hmm. don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're <clears throat> going to drink. Just seek God's kingdom first. And then all those other things will be taken care of for you. 
And I think that's all collected in the beautiful prayer that we call the serenity prayer. And it's called the serenity prayer because it's designed to bring peace and balance and perspective and context to our life. Lord, help me recognize the things that I can change, the things that I cannot, and the wisdom to know the difference. And so that that really is, it is such a powerful prayer. And I, I wish people would take it very seriously and pray it every day because it really will... It will organize your life around those things that you can have a difference in, make a difference in, and things that you can't. And and even the things that you can't, there are things that you can do. For instance, you know, I'm not going to go to Ukraine. I'm not going to pick up a gun and go there. But I will pray for them. And I will, mm-hmm. you know, find out what's going on there so I know the truth. And so uh, there's things that I can do, things that I cannot, that will keep you from being tempted uh, to having the wrong conclusions or coming to the wrong idea and the wrong perspective and, and keep that sense of serenity and peace in this season of Lent that we need so much. Father Dave Heaney is our spiritual director as we're talking about temptation today. And when have you faced temptation in your life and how have you been able to overcome it? What are maybe some different strategies or some helpful ways that you've been able to stay strong when you are tempted? How has God helped you in those moments of weakness? Or maybe there's something you're struggling with right now, a temptation that you're dealing with and you're not sure how you're going to avoid it, and it's been a true struggle for you. And you'd like to talk with Father Dave. The phone number to call into the studio is 888-914-9149, and our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, let's look at this upcoming Sunday's mm-hmm. Gospel reading, what we'll hear at Mass. And, um, you know, I mentioned that that one response that we get from Jesus, one cannot live by bread alone. You know, that's his response to the first of these three temptations that say, Satan places before Christ. And this happens, I, I think it's significant, it happens at the end of Jesus' time of fasting, after he's been there in the wilderness for 40 days. And Satan comes to Jesus when he is physically at his weakest point. He doesn't come early on in that process. And I think that's a good insight for us because, you know, even if we've been spending a lot of time in prayer, if we've been able to grow in our spiritual side of, of, you know, uh, us being uh, physical and spiritual beings, if that spiritual side is strong, but we have that physical side that has been compromised in some way, Satan knows when it's best to try and attack us, and he can be very, very patient. He can wait until we're physically weak, and if that's going to make us more susceptible to giving in to temptation. So if we are, you know, if, if we're going to be fasting or doing something else that taxes us physically, just practically speaking, it might be wise to make sure that everything else that we do during that time it helps to keep us as healthy as possible, you know? Make sure you're getting enough rest, you're getting enough sleep, you're not, you know, shortening your hours of sleep. Make sure the times that you do eat or if you're drinking, you're getting healthy things, not, you know, robbing your your body of vitamins because you're eating junk foods, things like that, because Satan will wait for those times when we're weakest. I think that is extremely helpful advice. And if you notice what you were saying, Josh, is, is that you're anticipating, you're looking ahead, and you, and, you, and you have a sense of self-awareness about yourself. If I'm going to fast on Friday, or I'm going to fast on any day, then just kind of taking a little extra time to think about the fact that, well, you know what, probably around 5 o'clock, I'm going to be really hungry. 
And so to to think ahead, to prepare for that time, means that when that time comes around, that's exactly when the devil will be ready for you. When you're when you when when the devil feels that you are the most vulnerable, when will be when he strikes. But if you you can head off the devil at the pass by anticipating, so that if you um, you know, if you if you're giving up something for Lent and you know that you really like it, and you know that there's certain times of the day when you really crave it, maybe it's smoking, maybe it's having a drink, maybe it's uh, you know bread like your um, daughter was saying, or uh, whatever it is. Looking ahead and saying, when is this going to be the most difficult to fulfill? When am I going to be most challenged? Well, if you know when that is, the devil also knows what that time is. And if you can prepare ahead of time, you are much more likely to, uh, to resist. I think that's what Jesus did in the, de- in the desert. He always knows when the devil's going to come and, and he's ready. Yeah, got to know yourself before you yeah. can put up that resistance. Yeah. Father Dave Heaney, again, our spiritual director, and I'll throw out the phone number one more time, 888-914-9149. We do need to take a short time out here, but uh, when we come back, we're going to look at those three times that Jesus is tempted and how he responds and and what we can learn, how we can learn from Jesus in the way that we can respond when we're faced with temptation. And we also uh, want to hear from you. How have you been able to resist temptation? What are some ways that you've been able to stay strong in the face of temptation? Is it a specific prayer, just like Father Dave was talking about the serenity prayer? Um, maybe it's having some practical ways that you can avoid those moments of temptation where, you know, as we talk about when we go to confession, when we pray our act of contrition, we avoid those near occasions of sin. Uh, what are ways you've put that into practice in your life? Or maybe you are struggling with a temptation and it's something that you're having difficulty getting beyond. And you can call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. More to come in just a moment here on The Inner Life, on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on this Friday. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, the pastor of St. Bruno's Catholic Church in Whittier, California, talking about temptation today. And uh, our phones are open for your call at 888-914-9149. And maybe you have a question about a temptation you've been struggling with. Uh, Maybe you've been able to succeed in resisting temptation in the past. What has helped you to be able to make it past that temptation, to have that success? And we'd love to hear how that has happened in your life, be able to encourage other listeners as they might be going through a similar situation. 888-914-9149 or innerlifeatrelevantradio.com is our email address. Uh, Father, let's go to Judy. She's listening to us in Texas. Hi, Judy. Thanks for calling into The Inner Life. Thank you for Relevant Radio. Your programs are absolutely a gift, really, to all of your listeners. I would like to mention two particular prayers. One 
is the serenity prayer, which you've already talked about. My mom had a copy of that serenity prayer on her refrigerator for as long as I can remember. Uh, And memory might not be long enough. She might have had it there when I was not really looking at it. But it was there, and the grandchildren, children and grandchildren remember it on her refrigerator, and I, too, have it on my refrigerator. Wonderful prayer. Secondly, the Jesus prayer. I have found that to be extremely helpful, and I know that there are variations of it. Um, I use the variation, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And very often would even take my rosary, and as I was praying it, move my fingers through the rosary. It has been a blessing in many, many, many times. Beautifully said, Judy. Thank you for calling in. You know, the the common denominator about both of those prayers is, is that they express a truth, a profound truth. And it's the truth that always sets us free. So the serenity prayer, as we talked about before, it invites us to have a kind of a true, true perspective, a true view of our world. There's things that I can change and things that I can't. We ask for the wisdom to know the difference. In the Jesus prayer, there are slight variations of that prayer, but they say the same, they, they say the same truth again, that Jesus is the Lord of my life and that I need him in my life because I am a sinner. Anytime we are grounded in truth, in a firm you know, place of something that is real and true, our life is going to be more more balanced and um, and more peaceful and more satisfying. So both both of those prayers really ground us in very very profound spiritual truths. Thanks for bringing in the Jesus prayer for our conversation today, Judy. Too. Thank you. Yeah, great recommendation. So glad you called in, uh, Father. As we mentioned, we're looking ahead to this upcoming Sunday, and the Gospel reading we're going to see out of St. Luke's Gospel, we're going to see Jesus tempted three times by Satan there. He's been in the wilderness fasting and praying for 40 days, and we've kind of made reference to that first temptation. Jesus is hungry, and Satan comes up and uh, tells him, uh, you know, says, here is this stone. You're hungry. If you're the Son of God, go ahead and make this into bread, turn it into bread. That might not seem that big of a temptation to us. You know, well, he's hungry. He's going to need to eat eventually. So what should we see in this moment? And what should be our biggest takeaway from Jesus as he does resist what Satan is trying to uh, prompt him to do here? I think a good way of looking at it is just to ask this question, who is in control of your life? If you walk into the kitchen, you know, Judy was talking about her refrigerator. If you walk into the kitchen and you cannot walk by the refrigerator without opening it and taking something out to eat, then literally the refrigerator is in charge of your life. Um, it's, you know, it's, you, you can't uh, say no. So you can tell how, who's in control of your life by whether you can say yes or no to things. So if you can walk by the refrigerator and say no, now you have verified to yourself, you have kind of affirmed for yourself that you are master of your emotions, you are master of your willpower, and you can um, make these kind of decisions. So that's the, the key thing is um, basically all, all these uh, 
temptations are kind of a way of measuring your willpower, measuring your discipline. You know, Lent began as a retreat time only for those who were converting. That's the way it began. It wasn't for everybody. It was only for those uh, that were, you know, becoming into the faith. And since they were going to make this commitment on Holy Saturday, they had this period of Lent beforehand in which they could measure their ability to make a promise, to measure their strength of willpower, so that when they, you know, made this commitment to Christ at their baptism, people trusted that they were they were saying something that they could follow through on. So all these practices of giving up something are ways of measuring our our. Um, is, is our word worthy? If, if I say I'm going to do something, can, can people depend on it? So, you know, uh, and fasting, you know, uh, especially when you're hungry, Jesus could say, I'm very, very hungry, but I am in charge of my life, not the devil, and not that bread, not that piece of bread, not the refrigerator, I am. And, um, and that strength of will, that strength of uh, that the discipline strengthens your will is really kind of what this season of Lent is designed to help you discover about yourself and where it's needed to make it stronger. You know, as you're talking about this too, one thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. is that Jesus is not trying to do this in and of himself. He has just spent 40 days in right. prayer, 40 days right. fasting. He has grown as close as he possibly can with the Father, even though he's, he's left the domain of heaven and he's united with the Father, he wants to m- maintain and grow as close as he can while he's in that physical form here on earth. Mm-hmm. And so just as we see him do that, w- you know, while there needs to be that discipline that we exercise on our own, it shouldn't be in and of ourselves. It shouldn't be saying, I can do this and I can do it on my own. It's, I want to be so united with the Father that I can't help but want to be in control of myself and be disciplined so that what I do is for the glory of God. Absolutely. Well said. It is, it is the power of Jesus living within you that precisely gives you the strength to repel temptations and, and, uh, and sin. It's that, uh, that's what that sense of fullness that I was talking about earlier when you have that sense of fullness that comes from having that person of Jesus within you, then you can walk by the refrigerator, you can skip that piece of pie, you can give up smoking because you have this power of Christ within you, that fullness that happens with that kind of, and that kind of an unceasing prayer, really to have Jesus as your, as to be aware of the Lord's presence within you at each moment of the day. You will just never fall into sin if you have this sense that Jesus is in a very powerful way with you at every moment. No temptation will conquer you. Well, so let's let's look at this second temptation. Mm-hmm. We have Satan who then, he takes Jesus to a place where he can show him all the kingdoms of the world at once, and he offers them all over to Jesus if Jesus simply will worship Satan. And I remember as a child, you know, hearing this and thinking, well, this doesn't seem that big of a deal. Why, why would Jesus care about the kingdoms of the world? But in Matthew's gospel account, this actually becomes, uh, it comes as the third temptation. It's, it's second here where we see it in Luke's gospel that we'll hear on Sunday, but it's the last one in Matthew's gospel. And the thing that I remember somebody pointing this out, and I don't remember who this was, 
I wish I could remember who it was, but somebody said, you know, this might have been the most difficult one for Jesus because Satan is essentially telling Jesus here, you know, all of that suffering and pain, all of the things that you came here to accomplish, you don't have to go through any of that. You don't have to be tortured or die on the cross or anything that you might have coming forward. Uh, this world, it became mine with the fall of Adam, but I'm just going to give it over to you. If, if you simply just worship me right here, right now, and it almost has this idea that maybe Satan's saying, no one even needs to know. It can just be between you and me. <laughs> what do you see in Jesus's response here that can help us when we face those seriously difficult temptations yeah. in our lives? Those ones that maybe seem, you know, not that big at, uh, at the beginning, but all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is, this is really a big temptation for me. How, how, do, how do we learn from Jesus in this moment? Yeah. First of all, I think that's a great insight, and I agree that this this is the most significant temptation of all because you you know the devil is saying, "Look, Jesus, you came here to you know have to create the kingdom of God to you know have the world turn to you, and I'm giving it to you right now." So mission accomplished. And I think it's important to say that you know having all the kingdoms of the world isn't is in itself a good thing, but it all depends on what you're going to do with them. And the devil is saying, I'm going to give you all the kingdoms of the world, and that's enough. And so that, in the sense that Jesus will be all-powerful. But Jesus' idea is, whatever it is I have, I'm going to use it for the good of others. That's what love is, to, to, to you know, wish, to will the, the, the good of another person with the talents and the abilities and the person that you are. This is my body, this is my blood, and it is given for you. That's the central part of our mass and the center part of our faith and what it means to love. And so it's not about accruing power just so that I have it, but if I have power, how will I use it? And so the devil uses power just to simply have it, and Jesus uses power for the good of others. So that's that's kind of the two ways that this temptation can go. Uh, and so, you know, the, the devil is always about simply accruing something to yourself just to have it. And Jesus is to take what he has, whatever it is that he has, and to use it for another's another's good. And that's expressed uh, in almsgiving. You know, that's, that's kind of a direct counter. If, if I'm simply about accruing things to myself, that I don't want to give money away or help the poor because then I lose some cash. But Jesus is saying one way of, a, of challenging this temptation to accrue things to yourself is to give it away. And, to, and especially, you know, for the good of others, especially those in most need, those who are poor. So fasting is one of the classic themes of Lent. And this second temptation reveals that almsgiving, giving to the poor, is a classic theme of Lent because it's taking what I have and using it for some good and giving it away. Mm-hmm. Less about me. The, yeah. Right before this, we actually had where Jesus was baptized. And John the Baptist, what are his words? He says, he must increase, yeah. I must decrease. So mm-hmm. if we have that less focus on ourselves, I must decrease, I make it more about God, I make it more about others. Yeah, we're, we're following in some good footsteps there with St. <laughs> John the Baptist. Yeah. But I think it's uh, important Father, to know that... I just, gonna, I just want to say that, you know, having yeah, possessions, ahead. having power is good, but it all depends on what you're going to do with it. So 
Um, that's the way to think about whatever it is that you have. Uh, I mean, look, if you have a lot of power, if you lot of, have a lot of money, God bless you. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm very happy for you. The second question is, what are you doing with it? Right. Yeah. Okay. How do you use that? Yeah. Uh, third temptation that we see here in the gospel. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple in Jerusalem and tries to test him, saying to throw himself off. Jesus, throw yourself off. Let your angels protect you. And I think one thing that's very interesting here, we have Satan. He is tempting Jesus using Scripture in this instance. Jesus, these first two uh, temptations, he's rebuked Satan by quoting Scripture. So then Satan, he uses Scripture in this third temptation, trying to make this temptation, this last one, seem like it's okay. It's in line with what is written in Scripture, in the Psalms. But then Jesus comes back with yet another scripture to show that Satan is trying to twist things from what they really mean. Uh, Satan is trying to drive this wedge between Jesus and God the Father by taking the words that we have in sacred, in, in the inspired words of scripture, and make them not really what they're supposed to be. But Jesus then, he ends up showing, no, I'm united with the Father, I understand the Father, and the thing that I guess stands out to me, Jesus then, it's it's like, I don't have anything that I need to prove to you or to anyone else. And I think that's a great lesson for all of us, you know, just to be content and secure in our relationship with God. I, I don't need to prove anything to anyone. All I need to do is rely on God. I just need to trust in him for all that I need. Yes, and to be in that constant contact with God. That's why this temptation is often uh, connected with the idea of prayer, the, the third classic theme of Lent, fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. And you know, to throw yourself off the high point of the temple, that was a very public place. Everyone could see that. And so it was kind of an ostentatious um, display of uh, mm. pride and arrogance. And to fall from that height and not to be hurt, not to be wounded, is to be protected from all suffering. And that's not that's something that Jesus would not do. He would not make himself invulnerable to suffering. Because then, you know, it's it's the suffering that we experience ourselves that grows compassion, that grows mercy in our own hearts. When we see someone else in pain, we can say, I know what that's like because I've suffered myself. And that suffering and, and compassion uh, makes us brothers and sisters to one another. We come to one another's aid, like all the people in the Ukraine. So Jesus will not kind of wall himself off from pain and suffering, because that's one of the ways that he shows his connection with human beings. I mean, he could have stayed in heaven, but God chose to empty himself um, and to not claim, you know, um, uh, cannot snatch uh, that beautiful section from the Philippians the, the actual wording just escapes me, but Jesus chose to come to planet Earth and to share in our humanity, especially our suffering as we see him on the cross. And that uh, that's kind of compassion and mercy is, uh, you know, such a powerful aspect of our Catholic faith. So prayer connects us with that, with the God of compassion, the God of mercy, and that can grow in our heart. And if during this season of Lent, we can grow compassion and mercy in our own heart for those who are suffering around us, 
then Lent will have accomplished its mission. Mm. Father Dave Heaney is our spiritual director today on The Inner Life. We're talking about temptation and what we learn from Jesus in the the time that we see him tempted there in the wilderness. We'll hear that gospel reading coming up this Sunday at Mass. How about you? What has helped you when you face those moments of temptation? Uh, what are maybe some strategies, some helpful ways that you have been able to avoid those moments of temptation? Or when temptation does uh, come in front of you, when you're faced with it, how have you been able to then remain strong, resist that temptation? Or maybe you're struggling with a temptation that is common in your life. You face it again and again, and it's been a true difficulty for you, and you'd like some advice, some encouragement, some insight from Father Dave. You can call in and speak with him at 888 We'll continue talking about temptation and practical ways that we can avoid temptation and resist temptation. Coming up next, along with your phone calls here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I hope your Friday is off to a good start here. I'm Josh Raymond and our spiritual director for the hour, Father Dave Heaney. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, pastor of St. Bruno's Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And talking about temptation today, also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, And Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Bob, who's listening to us in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, Bob. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hello, thank you, and uh, happy First Friday to everybody. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about, uh, just to answer your questions about how I've overcome a temptation, um, mine has been a problem with Internet pornography, which I think does not get talked about enough, and obviously for obvious reasons, but uh, it's, it's shameful. But um, one of the ways I've overcome it, or several of the ways, first of all, fasting, mortification, doing small mortifications, uh, and following uh, two forms of spirituality that I've really, really found helpful, both Ignatian and Carmelite uh, spirituality, reading about the Carmelite saints, especially John of the Cross, uh, other saints with similar problems, you know, in their time, uh, St. Mary of Egypt, for instance, and those kinds of things, a lot of spiritual reading replacing that time that I might have been using the computer with uh, prayer, mortification, fasting. And I want to say real quick about the fasting issue. I think it's misunderstood, even by lots of clerics, uh, don't make the connection between the mastery of the senses, the sensual person, meaning in this case the appetite, being able to prove to yourself that with with God's help, of course, you can't do it by yourself, but with that prayer, you can master your senses, and if you can master your senses in the form of uh, your your appetite, then, you know, you, you have some chance of saying, well, if I can master that one, then I can master this other one, whether it's lust or, you know, gambling or, or drinking or whatever else it might be, you, you just you know, you embolden yourself and you empower yourself through God and through prayer, of course, to be able to do that. And I've found that very helpful. 
and also staying away from the computer. For instance, I'm listening to relevant radio and I love to listen and you guys are just wonderful. I couldn't do it without you as well. Uh, I'm listening to it on an old fashioned radio instead of online or in an app because those, you know, going online is a temptation to me. All right. So now I have a question for father with which I'd really like some help with. And that is father, how do we know, how does one know if you've crossed the line from temptation, which you've already said, and, and I acknowledge is not sinful in and of itself, but into sinfulness, you know, when you, how I don't, I'm not trying to get away with anything. I'm just trying to understand where that line is, if it's possible to know, to delineate, going from temptation to sinfulness, that, that I need to confess yeah. it, for instance. Excellent question, Bob. Thank you. And uh, congratulations, by the way, on all the spiritual practices that you've been taking up to help you with uh, the temptations that you have. I can just offer one little practical thing for, your, for the Internet uh, problem, and that is to have some holy card, some statue or some holy image that you have at the place where this temptation occurs, and that can be a reminder. But uh, to your question, look at the example of Jesus in the desert. Uh, you know, the devil tempts him, okay, so the temptation itself is not a sin because we know that Jesus was tempted, but notice that Jesus does not converse with the devil. He doesn't enter into a conversation each time the devil tempts, Jesus gives a command, and that's it. So he doesn't go back and forth. There's no conversation. There's no discussion. The devil tempts. Jesus gives a response and moves on. So the one way of looking at it is how much conversation are you having with this temptation? Uh, you know, a classic conversation that people have, they walk by the refrigerator and they'll say, well, I'll just have one snack. It's just one snack. No big deal. So you're kind of entering into a discussion with the temptation. Or, um, you know, it's been a long day. I deserve this uh, treat. Um, so you're kind of having a conversation with yourself about this temptation. The longer that goes on, then you've crossed over into uh, uh, sinfulness. So I think the way to look at it is how much conversation, how much back and forth, how much thinking about doing this temptation is happening. Jesus converses with the devil, not at all. He just says, no. Uh, so that's the way to think about it, is how much conversation, how much thinking about this um, is happening. As, and it is kind of a time factor. How much time are you spending on this? And then that's when it crosses over into uh, possible sinfulness. I hope that helps, Bob. Well, and, you know, one other thing, Father, is you're talking about that too, you know, Bob is saying that line where you can cross over from uh, from temptation into sin itself. One of the things I might recommend, and Father, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the book uh, Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Mm -hmm. Francis de Sales. And early in that book, Bob, if you haven't read that, I, I would highly, highly recommend that you pick up a copy because he has this section where he talks about the way that we look at sin. And if we're not sinning, but we look back maybe longingly or with a fondness toward that <laughs> sin that we used to do. Yeah. That's problematic in and of itself there. And we have to change that mindset. And then he gives you different prayers and different exercises that he walks you through and says, here, this is what you need to do for the next number of days, the next weeks. Focus on these things, and that can kind of help you. So that might be another practical help there is to go and read through 
Introduction to the Devout yeah. Life by St. Francis de Sales. Very good. And I think it's actually the same thing. You know, St. Francis de Sales is saying, you know, don't spend time thinking about this because now you're kind of conversing with that sin. You're entering into conversation, ruminating about it and thinking about it. And that's, and uh, the more that happens over time, then it's going to lead you right back, back into it. Father Dave, let's go to the phones. We've got Chris, who's listening in Glendale, California. Chris, thanks for calling in. Hello? Yes. Yeah, go right ahead. You're on the air. Oh, hi. Hi, Father. And, um, and hi, Josh. I love the show. And I love you too, Father, the Father Heaney. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm struggling with alcoholism, and it's literally destroying my life. Um, um, I... I feel like right now, I feel like anxiety. I feel guilt. I feel that um, that I every time I promise God that I'm not going to do it anymore, I do it, and I feel like He has no mercy for me, or or He's just sick of me going to confessing and confessing the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm just a, I'm just tired of it, you know. I mean, I just okay. I'm just I'm just done. Well, you know, Chris. Um... Our Lord understands that none of us will ever be perfect. All he asks for us is to be honest. And so you may have this sin for a long time. It may happen frequently, but be honest about it. When it happens, go to confession, confess it. doesn't matter how, ma- how many times it happens, but the, because confession really is kind of the sacrament of honesty, being honest with yourself. And you know, AA has this wonderful line, one day at a time. So you just make a promise for either one day or whatever length of time that you can control. You say, I'm not going to have a drink for this period of time. Now, if it happens that you fall and you're tempted and you have a drink, you've only broken a promise for one day. It's, it's not like it ruins like the whole last month. It's just one day. That's the genius of that phrase. So just pick a unit of time that you can control one day at a time. Make that promise. Uh, if you break it, just... Pick yourself up, you know, dust yourself off, and just start over. Uh, over and over again, that's, that's just the way to go, Chris. It's a very difficult uh, addiction. It's extremely hard. Uh, but the path forward is that self-honesty, you know, just one day at a time. And uh, if you do fall, just pick yourself up. You know, when someone commits a sin, you know, I know they're a human being. If someone gets up, is honest with himself, is sorry, and tries to move forward, that's when I know they're a follower of Christ. So you have many opportunities to show you're a follower of Christ if you simply get back up, believe in his mercy, believe in his faith in you, and just start over again. That's the beauty of our faith. Jesus allows us to start over again as many times as it takes. You know, Chris, the other thing I would say is just don't don't lose hope on this, too, because I have family members who, for decades, struggled with alcoholism, and uh, two in particular that I'm thinking of right now, and and I do mean that, decades, and they have been now sober for both of them for over, over a 10 years. They might be going closer to 15 years, both of them. They both stopped drinking very close to the same time, and, uh, you know, it really has turned their life around, but uh, they... Uh, both of them came to a point where they were just so frustrated and felt that there was no hope. But uh, if there's anything I can tell you, please don't give up hope. 
it is possible to get beyond this. If you're not part of a 12-step program, you know, maybe start there like Father was talking about with AA, um, you know, or look for some other support system because it'll, it'll be difficult to do it on your own. Neither of these people that are in my family did it on their own. They had that support, whether from outside or, of course, within their family. So look for that help if you can find it and get that support system there as you try to uh, fight against that, that addiction and that temptation that you see so regularly in your life. Uh, Father, um, a lot of people who are struggling and we're pretty much out of time here, don't have the ability to take any more calls. Mm -hmm. Um, Just want to give you a little more time here for a final blessing as we've heard from people who really are hurting and struggling here. As we conclude the show with a blessing, could I ask you to lift these different listeners and and even the ones who didn't get on the air, lift them up in prayer? Heavenly Father, in this beautiful season of Lent that the Church gives us. We hope it is a time when we can grow in faith and hope and love and all of the virtues, all of the habits of virtues that uh, keep temptation at bay. bay. We ask your fullest blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Dave, always so appreciate you taking the time to be with us here on The Inner Life. Look forward to talking with you again soon, and I hope you have a wonderful Lent. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the program. Apologies to those of you who called in and we weren't able to get you on the air. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you back here on Monday. We're going to talk about detachment, not having those attachments to things in our life, and how those can hold us back from Christ, and hopefully we let go of those and we're able to grow closer to Christ. And uh, stay tuned. Mass is next, followed by The Faith Explained here on Relevant Radio. 